Amen. Thank you, Gary. Guys, let's give these guys a hand. Was that not... Mm. Such wonderful gifts God's given us. That will warm you up on a cold January morning. How's everybody? Doing good? Good. Good morning. His promise still stands. Some of you need to hear that this morning. All of us need to hear that um, from time to time. Uh, We're going to continue today in our all-in series, this launching series, if you will, for 2019. And uh, I'm going to move forward with a message today entitled Trust Level. Trust Level. Last week, uh, if you were here, we were challenged by the words of Jesus when it comes to being his disciple to move from a half-hearted faith to a whole-hearted fellowship of him. And and Jesus says to, to put him first over everything else in our lives. And we determined last week that that is much easier said than done, is it not? That dying to self, I mean, just think about that, dying to self, surrendering our agenda, laying our plans down, our dreams down, our picture of what our life should look like, man, that is the crucible of the Christian life. That is the reality of what we call sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Yet we are given the capacity to do just that, through the Holy Spirit of God that has been deposited within each of us who, by faith, have received Christ. Today we're going to turn our attention to trust, to our willingness to cling to God's character when everything around us is screaming, let go. You ever been there? Over the last 15 years, planting this church from scratch, we've been here 14 and a half years now, if you can believe that, and trusting God literally for every inch of ground that we've gained. We started on a sofa in our den uh, almost 15 years ago, um, literally with nothing, no bank account, no nothing, just a few uh, crazy people who were willing to go on this journey with us, um, and many are still sticking around. But, uh, you know, I've been in that place more times than I can count uh, when everything around me was screaming, let go. People were even saying, yeah, Phil, what are you doing, man? you got a family. And yet, God gave me, gave Kim, gave us, those who gathered uh, in this place we call tapestry, in this body we call tapestry, what we needed to move forward when everything around us was screaming, let go. And I was saying, God, you want me to hold on? You want me to keep on? You want me to keep climbing even when the needle doesn't move? God said, yeah, (laughs) Phil. At the end of the day, it's not so much about the needle moving as it is about you trusting me no matter where the needle falls. 
That's what life with Christ is all about. It's not about results. It's about faithfulness. Where's your trust level this morning? You know, as I thumb through the pages of Scripture, there are so many all-in stories in the Bible. It was hard to pick uh, for this series which ones to preach. Stories of faith and trust that capture our imagination and encourage us to press on. From Peter stepping out of the boat home to the surface of the water when Jesus told him to come. To the centurion saying, Yes, Lord, and his servant being healed. To Noah building an ark in a world that had never seen rain. To Joshua marching around Jericho believing trumpets could take down walls. Where do you start? Which passage do you drill down? Well, I'll tell you what. I believe the apex story, truth in Scripture when it comes to going all in is found in Genesis chapter 22. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn with me there. The very first book of the Bible, 22 chapters in. It's a story of Abraham and Isaac. A story that the three central faiths, if you will, religions in the world, uh, all deem to be true. 25 years ago, uh, I was just called into the ministry. Um, I wasn't in a pastoral role at that point. I was just called in, in to, to be a, a pastor ultimately one day. I really didn't know where that would go. <clears throat> and I preached my first sermon in a little church in North Carolina. And that first sermon that I preached 25 years ago was on this passage. Genesis chapter 22. And so this passage has been a pivotal passage, if you will, uh, in my life. I can look back now over past for the past 25 years and I can understand something now that I didn't understand. Then I can understand why God led me to this passage to be the very first passage that I would preach. The sermon was horrible. Kim was there. It was. I've still got a cassette. Now we, you know, we cassettes were cutting edge at that time. Okay, so I've still got that cassette tape. I think I listened to it once the week after, and then I have never dusted it off since. But uh, you got to start somewhere. But uh, Kim and I, at that point, we had recently lost uh, our first son. Uh, within a year, uh, just prior uh, to me preaching that message, uh, he was born prematurely. We were trying to reconcile that loss with the character of God. I hadn't been a Christian two years at that point in time. Called to ministry two years after I came to Christ at 26 years old. You know, bless those people's hearts who had to, you know, um, be under me for those first few years. But we were trying to reconcile the most precious loss that we could possibly imagine with the character of God. 
And God used this passage early in my walk really to teach me. I didn't realize it at the time, but to teach me what it looks like to cling to his character when everything else around me was screaming, let go. When that which was most precious to me was screaming, let go. It ain't worth it. He's not who you thought he was. You ever been there? It's a tough place to be. But I'll tell you what. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you follow long enough, you will find yourself in that place. Some of you are there right now. And your trust level is teetering. Can I trust God? Because everything I'm seeing in front of me says no. Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Abraham's on this journey with God. God said, go to a place I'll show you. Didn't even tell him where. Abraham begins this journey with faith. He packs his bags and he just sets out in the direction God Told him to go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Don't miss that. That that in and of itself is difficult to reconcile sometimes. But sometime later, God tested Abraham. This is not random. He said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. As he always did when God called his name. I'm right here. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Come again? Wait a minute, I think there was some static on the line. Can you imagine Abraham's confusion at what God is calling him to do? Uh, Scholars believe that that Isaac, a lot of times we think about Isaac as being this little child at this point. But scholars believe that, 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 that Isaac was probably in his late teens. I mean, he was pretty much at that. He was a man by that point, probably 17, 18 years old. He was able to carry the bundle himself. Isaac was God's promised child to Abraham, if you're familiar with the story. If you're not, let me challenge you to go back and read in Genesis how we get to this place. But Isaac was the promised child, God's promised child to Abraham. When he was on in his years, he was the child that God called him to trust would come through the barren womb of his elderly wife, Sarah. So, man... Abraham had already done some serious trusting at this point. I mean, he he had been all in for a long time. Isaac was God's idea. The seed who would lead Abraham to the blessing that God promised him. To be the father of many nations. 
To be a nation that would bless other nations and be blessed by them. He was the seed who would ultimately lead to Jesus Christ himself, the Savior of the world. Abraham knew God was up to something big, but I don't think he knew how big. And so God is telling Abraham to sacrifice. Listen to this. God is telling Abraham to sacrifice the promise he made to him. To trust him. Even when God appears to be contradicting himself. Which is exactly what, you can't put it any other way. You can't tiptoe around it here. God appears to be contradicting himself here. Have you ever been there? A place in your life where you feel like God has led you to this place. He's, he's promised certain things or, or you feel like you've entered a certain season or a promise that God's given you and he asks you to give it up. Wait a minute, I thought we were just going to keep on climbing with this thing. And God says, no, i got something else in store for you. Something even greater we'll find out. It's a hard place to be. It's a hard place to hold on. But right out of the gates, as we started in this story, we're told it was a test. What greater confusion could there be in our finite minds than for God to deliver a promise one moment, then ask us to sacrifice it the next? Kim and I were talking about this over dinner, this whole concept, this whole arena over dinner one night this week. And Kim said something profound, and I just wanted to share it with you this morning. She said, maybe it's not really trust until you don't understand. Let that sink in for a minute. Do you trust God? We, we throw that around. Man, I, hey, trust God. I trust God. I trust God. Maybe it's not really trust until you just don't understand at all what's going on. And we have a tendency to say, We need to trust God even when we don't understand. Even when it doesn't make sense. The question is, is it really trust at all before we get to that point? Maybe. Maybe. It's just beyond that place. The place where so many people walk away. (laughs) That the promise is found. That the abundant life that Jesus is offering lies. Where's God testing your trust level this morning? Not to play some sick joke on you. A lot of folks walk away when they read this story. As I do not want to serve a God who would treat me like that, who would do that to me. Where's God testing your trust level this morning? To get you to the life that Jesus came to give you. The place of full surrender. That's where he was taking Abraham. The place of full surrender. To the same place that we see echoed through the centuries where Jesus is on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. He's he's just in anguish. 
at the place of surrender. To surrender His will to the will of the Father. Father, not my will, but Yours be done. Same place that He takes Abraham in this passage. Will you cling to His character even when you don't understand? That's trust. Will you go all in when it defies logic and appears to contradict God's character? That's what's going on with Abraham. But man, as you look at... Abraham doesn't blink. I mean, he doesn't blink. He doesn't camp out at the bottom of the mountain. He doesn't camp out and pitch his tent in the why. Why, God? Wouldn't that be the natural response? I promised you this child. I've miraculously brought this child to you. Now I want you to take this child up here and I want you to sacrifice and kill this child. Why? He doesn't go there. Where are you stuck in the why this morning? The reality is, if we stay there, we'll never even start the climb. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, marching orders, saddled his donkey, didn't blink, took with him two of his servants. You guys are coming with me. Isaac, I need you too. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he does what needs to be done. He does the next best thing. He set out for the place that God had told him about. I want you to go to Mount Moriah. You know, I think part of what's going on here is that it would be easy as I was reflecting on this today and I never really thought about it before but it would be easy for Abraham to turn Isaac into an idol would it not easy to do that with your kids isn't it I know a little bit about that it's easy to turn the promise into your priority And God's making it clear to Abraham that he's not to cling to the promise, but to the one who made it. Let me ask you something. What promise has God given you, or perceived promise has God given you, that you've turned into a priority? Oftentimes, again, they're perceived promises, especially in Western Christianity. We believe that when we come to Christ, you know, I kind of had that that idea. When I mean, I was radically saved, radically converted out of a you know very sinful lifestyle. Never been to church in 26 years. Never opened a Bible at 26 years of age. Went to church for the first time. Kim kind of you know got me headed in that direction. Went to church, heard the gospel. For the very first time that I had ears to hear it, and that first time that I was in a church service, I gave my life to Christ that day. And I was in a puddle on the floor because I felt the weight of my sin lift from me. And God's forgiveness flooded my life. And I, I got up that day not knowing anything about this, and I thought, man, my life, I'm always going to feel like this. This is awesome. I found it, and I did. But I had in my mind some perceived promises that came along with that that simply were not true. Things that I just assumed God would 
take care of in my life that weren't necessarily true. I think we all do that to a certain degree, especially with Western Christianity. And we can turn those perceived promises into idols, things that God never really promised us. Maybe it's the perfect marriage, the ideal family. Is there one? Trouble-free kids. How many of you are signing up for that one? Or the perceived promise of health and wealth or a fulfilling career. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe God's definitely going to take me to that place in this world that I am completely fulfilled. Is there a place in this world that we are completely fulfilled? And when God seems to contradict those perceived promises, we pitch our tent in the why. And we get stuck. And when we prioritize perceived promises instead of the person of God, we're in danger of finding neither. When we cling to perceived promises, we're constantly asking why and trying to figure out what God's doing. What do you mean, God? I mean, Isaac, what, why, 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 why? He would have never even started the climb. He never, Abraham never asked why. It's amazing. When we live in the why, we refuse to die. And we demand to understand. Abraham didn't do that. Maybe it's not really trust until you don't understand. And that's the place God wants us to be. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, two of his servants. Went to the place God told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Don't miss that. On the third day, Abraham looks up and he sees that place in the distance. He is looking toward what would be the heart of Jerusalem at that time. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. Faith. Trust in the character of God. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here. (laughs) Where's that lamb? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb, son. And the two of them went on together. Wow. And we see in the sacrifice of Isaac a shadow of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And a human picture of what God the Father must have felt in the sacrifice of his only son whom he loved. On the third day, Genesis tells us, Abraham looked and he saw a place in the distance. 
some 2,000 years in the distance. Almost as if he's looking at the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise through Isaac in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mount Moriah, this mountain that Abraham is to climb, is in Jerusalem. Today it is the most hotly contested piece of land on earth. Sacred to Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Sitting on top of Mount Moriah today is the Temple Mount. It's a 37-acre tract of land where the Jewish temple once stood, where the presence of God dwelled. The Dome of the Rock, a Muslim shrine built 1,300 years ago, now stands there. As Abraham looked into the distance. And when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there where the temple would ultimately be. And he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Imagine that. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. You talking about all in? What if there was a crowd around there? Other believers. How many would grab his wrist? Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Inside, you've got to know he's going, thank goodness. The angel says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only Son, you've not withheld from me the promise that I gave you. You were willing to sacrifice it. You know, the test that Abraham was given on that mountain would shape the history of the world and serve as a foretaste to the greatest sacrifice ever made. The substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ for the sins of all men. Abraham's willingness to surrender himself and trust the character of God in that moment moved God's redemptive plan for mankind forward, foreshadowing the promise above all promises. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. You know, we focus on Abraham's faith here. We focus on Abraham's trust here. But in reality, man, who are we in this story? If you break this thing down character-wise, who are we in this story? We're Isaac. 
We're Isaac. Called to trust our father even to the point of death. Called not to be paralyzed by the why. You know, not only did Abraham not ask any questions, Isaac didn't ask any questions. And he's the one whose life was going to be taken. But he wasn't paralyzed in the why. He moved forward in faith. We're Isaac. Those who must be willing to lay ourselves down believing that the resurrected life of Jesus will be provided when we need it. Jesus is the ram in the thicket. He took our place that we might live the life that He promises us. You know, it's been said that God doesn't give us overcoming life. He gives us life as we overcome. Triumph as we trust. You know, if we want to go all in with Jesus this year, we've got to stop living in the why. And we've got to start moving forward in faith. It's not really trust. <laughs> Until you don't understand. And it's not really faith. Until you can't figure it out. But every promise. That God has made to you. The scripture tells us. Whether it feels like it. Whether it looks like it. Whether our circumstances are telling us the opposite. Every promise that God has made to you. Is yes in Christ Jesus. Paul put it this way. He said for no matter how many promises God has made. They are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words we believe it. We agree Lord. That your promise will come to pass. Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. It's God who gives us what we need when we need it. He provides it. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing, don't miss that word, guaranteeing what is to come. Where do you need to surrender this morning? Where do you need to get out of the why and move forward in faith? Pray with me. Father, this is where the rubber meets the road in this life of following Jesus. Lord, of continuing to follow, not knowing what's around the corner. Not seeing what's around the corner. And everything that we can see is telling us, Lord, you're not in control. But you call us to trust. You call us to quit asking why. Lord, obviously it's okay. 
And we all do it. But Lord, if we live there, we won't enter the, the life that you promised us in Christ. And so this morning, Father, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, no matter where you are in trusting Him, my challenge to this congregation is to surrender and to believe that God will provide all that He's promised that He will provide and to allow the life of Christ to be received and to pass through us as we pass through this world. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.